Wrestling should be fun. Should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. G'day scholars and welcome to the Wrestling Should Be Fun podcast. It's what the nerds are watching. This is episode 7 and I'm your host Dom Philp on the mic. Not too hard, not too soft, but just right. This is normally when I say that we are coming to you every single Friday on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud or wherever you get your podcasts from. However, this week I have had one hell of a time trying to get this podcast edited and uploaded. I do not even know if this is going to work. Right now I'm recording it. The program that I normally use has has just really, really been a mega heel to me this week. It's turned heel. I can't figure out whether it's going to work or not. So if, you can, if you're hearing this, it's probably going to be late. Maybe it's going to be Easter Monday. I don't know. If you're not hearing it, well, I don't know. Tweet Ross. Blame him. I've done my best. Um, anyway, you don't want to hear all about that technical shit. You want to hear the lads talk about a little bit of wrestling. Hey, we got a brand new segment to kick us off this week. Ross the Boss thought it was a great idea to put the call out on Instagram. If anyone wanted a bit of a shout out of here to kick off today's podcast, just to see if anyone was actually listening to this thing. Uh, maybe they won't be listening after our technical difficulties this week, but we're going to kick us off with something brand new. This is going to be called The Call Up Sheet. Um, okay, Wrestling Should Be Fun podcast, episode seven, like Jack Evans, made in the heavens. Uh, and we are going to get into our brand new segment. This is the call-up sheet where Ross the Boss Casey, for some reason, has committed to giving a fuckload of shouts every week now through Twitter. So um, what we're going to do is Ross is going to give us the Twitter handles or the names, and the other nerds are going to try to come up with that person's wrestling gimmick. Uh, this is the shout-outs. It's boss time. Okay, so first up, we've got Jacob Russell from Michigan. Jacob Russell from Michigan. You just shot his first name, don't you? you shot to Jack Russell. <laughs> he comes out in a dog costume. Easy. Do you, I, I thought you were making a reference to the great wicketkeeper from the English cricket team. I, I met him. He tried to sell me a painting when I was at uh, Richmond. Yeah, he's a lovely bloke. So he's got Dexter Loomis's. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> still in a dog costume okay next up we've got Thomas Simpson from Glasgow surely surely Thomas Simpson he has to work a Simpsons gimmick and so he paints himself yellow and he works at the nuclear power plant um, he just drinks duff on the way to the ring. It's got, like, I mean, I know that's really easy and hacky, but, geez, I'd love to see it. Like, like when the Ninja Turtles were in the WWE that time in the, in the 90s. Love it. So I, is that- I, I, I want to see him accompanied by uh, Jessica and Ashley Simpson, like he's meeting PMS. <laughs> <laughs> and next up, a slight, a slight curveball from Twitter. It's Smurf Rollins from Smurf Village. I think he's he's working a shoot, brother. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't think we can compete with that. Great up. Next next one. Scotty Nobelt from San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> he's got... I'm, I'm gonna put the title on him on his first night on, on Raw. <laughs> 
Uh, and next up, we've got Nigel Massaro from Every Man's Nightmare. Well, surely, surely that's got to be the second coming of Ashley Massaro. Maybe he's related. Let us know, Nigel, if you're related to Ashley. Um, you can be the rock chip guy. That'd be brilliant. Love that. Uh, then next up, we're going. Um, we're going European to Brain Dead Left from Bochum. Big VFB fan. <laughs> That's it. That's his gimmick. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel Maccabee comes out in just a VFB Bochum shirt. <laughs> and then finally, we've got three more Americans. Kevin from Chicago. <laughs> Sorry, lad, you're getting jobbed out in elevation. <laughs> Kevin from Chicago is not filling me with positive vibes. Then next up, we've got Adam from Kansas City. The Chief, Adam, the Kansas City Chief. <laughs> Welcome to the pod, Adam. And finally, um, someone who um, follows and likes our stuff quite a lot, Chris Wayne from New York, New Jersey. Where there's a will, there's a Wayne. Love that. I was sick. I was sick of the Duke. Chris Wayne, the Duke. There's a will, there's a way is the best catchphrase. He's got two gimmicks already. He's flying, this lad. Yeah. Put the belt on him. He he could work. He's got to work one of them under a hood so he can do both Raw and SmackDown. (laughs) His his first night's a a 30-second squash against Chicago Pev, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) That's 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 the opening match, but then he's got to come back and work the main under the hood against the champion. Old no belts. What Scotty was his no name? Belts. Scotty No Belt. Scotty No Belt. Fuck, that's a good name. I love that. Okay, so thanks so much, everyone, for uh, the shout out on Twitter. Hope you enjoyed your new gimmicks. And our last one goes out to a wrestling should be fun shout out, which is to our man Rob Armstrong, who did an amazing job on BT Sport of shape of um creating the narrative for Seamus's WrestleMania preview. Uh guys, I know that, that we've all seen it. Goosebumps, right? Yeah. It's, yeah. I, I, I was like I, I know we, we might end up talking a bit about Mania later, but bloody hell, like I am um, I was about fifty fifty on if I was gonna watch it this year. But that that really that really kind of pushed me over the edge in the right way. Um I'm yeah super keen. Chills. I I absolutely loved it. I actually didn't watch a lot of wrestling this week. Um, I did watch Progress and a little bit of Ring of Honor, but I was too drunk to remember. So um, that's probably going to be my What the Nerds are Watching this week. I've been watching you. A la 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 long. A la 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 long, 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 Come on. A la 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 long. A la 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 long, Was that that clip? BT produced, Rob Armstrong produced clip with Shane. It's like... Well, I thought it was great. I, I got a bit goosebumpy as well, and I was already. I watched it on Saturday afternoon, um, just in my garden on my own, like looking at like the some sort of blossoming tree as springtime broke, and I really just like had like a proper emotional moment. I was like, "Wow, this is great!" It took me back to childhood. It reminded me of like the old uh, video packages with like Freddie Blassie talking at the start of those pay per views back in the day. I, I mean, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it'll quite stand the test of time like that, but bloody hell, it was a good bit of business, I thought. And Seamus, what can't that bloke do? Yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's good. And uh, I saw the card for Raw tonight, so I think we know what he's going to be doing at Mania as well. So, um, yeah, it, it's a great video though. Uh, that it's just that clip in the video. You know that they always show it, right? But the Undertaker one, where it's like. 
all the hands coming out from like underneath you could put anything with that clip it just works like obviously yeah just great yeah Really top stuff. So obviously, I guess I'm meant to be the host of this thing. Um, but I guess we're doing what the nerds are watching now, lads, yeah? Brilliant. So I, honestly, I'm, I'm just going to stick with that. I haven't watched too much else. So people are going to have to do the heavy lifting for me unless you can jog my memory about any progress or Ring of Honor stuff. Well, I think, I think Ross and I are probably going to disagree a bit on progress and see where Matt falls as the adjudicator. <laughs> I I liked a lot. To be fair, I liked a lot of the wrestling, a lot of solid stuff. But um, I thought Spike versus Ridge was the best match. Um, but still, nothing that really tickled my fancy. Um, and yeah, I, I think my I didn't like um, uh, Lycos pronouncing Cat Noir in Cara Noir with two as two syllables. It was like Noir. Didn't like that. Um, but Big that's probably way. a small thing. My biggest issue with those lads is that, like, their catchphrase is let the horror begin. But they're like two pasty little white blokes in silly masks. Like, I've no issue with them being healed, but I just don't think the catchphrase really works for them. Um, and then and then finally, my only thoughts on it was, um, was, fuck me, the commentary. Like, can't deal with it. Like I know, I think Ross might disagree with me. It's just, it's just shouting or shit humor, and they tried to do like a couple of like between match sketches this week, and it's the worst thing I think I've ever watched in my life. Like they're just the most. I know they're kind of characters, and they're probably nice blokes in real life, but they come off as most obnoxious, dislikable people. And on top of that, right, especially Progress's image at the moment. I don't know how to say this, but I think they look like sex offenders. Like the the one. There's the lads with the leather jackets and the backwards cap. Like, that is our wrong-uns dress, isn't it? So I need. I think they need to sort, sort it out. What do you think, Ross? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to uh, disagree with you on the commentary. I think that... Because that, uh, that was the first time that I actually listened to the commentary because I usually watch it drunk with Dom and Mike, um, which I didn't this week and I'm pretty sad about because it sounds like it was a pretty big one, judging by the fact that Dom can't remember any of it. Um... And I actually think that they did a really good job of setting the stories. Because um, watching without the commentary for the previous three or four chapters, it's something that I've really missed, the fact that it just felt like a wrestling show. But I feel like the commentary that I listened to was giving me far more than without it. So um, I actually think that, that, that it was a plus of the show. And I'm with you on the Ridgeway match. I thought that was amazing. I can't think of the last match that I saw where the nose was the was the limb target. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> good show. Um, so I really enjoyed that. I thought the story with the um, student versus the teacher in the banks versus G Money match was really really good. I loved the um, spear to the back in that match. I thought that was really really cool. Um, and I thought that the um, the main event was actually really really good. I thought that it was a real physical match. And I loved the pacing of it because they sold everything and it felt like it was an absolute gruel to try and win that match from both Millie and Kanji. And I really, really liked it. And I really liked the fact that Kanji's outfit looks a bit like Bob Holly's when he was a NASCAR driver. <laughs> Spark plug, <or> was it? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I noticed that as well. I thought it was proper. It was a cross between the one, two, three kid and Spark plug, right? 
the boys. It, it's actually really, it, it was really, really cool. I, and you know what? The other thing that just came back to me, I, I, um, I'm not, it's not very often that like a single spot stands out in my memory, but I really, really liked, and I just like everything that Mambo and TK do. Like, hey, you've caught me, right? But <laughs> I really like the spot where Mambo went over the top to like hot, to like hotshot son, like the macho man used to, but he like stuck his foot out for TK to tag his foot on the way down. Yeah, that was great. Did you, I don't, I don't know if you guys noticed that, but that was fucking cool. Yeah, that was a really good match. Um, it, it reminded me a little bit of um, the old school DIY matches in NXT. There was, there was there was a lot of clever tag team um, combinations happening in that match. And again, though, Luke Jacobs just looks so good, doesn't he? Bloody hell! When I when I first heard the name the Sunshine Machine, I wasn't that sold on it. But then when I saw their gear and their merch, I was like, oh no, that's going to sell. That's good. Like they they've released four T-shirts with different colours and they're all really cool. And you bought them all? I, you know, what? I I I'm, I've got my eye open to see if there's a see if there's a big fella in there. If they if they've got a four XL or something for the big man, I'll I'll definitely get the pink one. <laughs> I'll go. Um, I watched um, SmackDown on the weekend and. Nakamura and, and Rollins had another match after their fast lane match, which I thought was a good match. And their TV match was potentially even better, which I, which I really enjoyed. But my standout from the uh, SmackDown show was there, was there was a six-man tag between Street Profits and Big E against Otis, Gable, and someone else that, that escapes my memory. Oh, a cruise. And... Um, the match was really, really good, and it really highlighted how good Chad Gable is. And God, I just love watching him wrestle. So, so good in the ring. Um, and Montez, in particular, in terms of his high flying, I, I remember actually Dolm, it might, it might have been that, told, that that had this take was that potentially Montez Ford is a better high flyer than Ricochet. Oof. I don't. I don't paint me with that, mate. That's definitely not me. My okay. my, <laughs> con- my my controversial street pop profits take is that Dawkins is a better promo than Ford. I'd go with that. But I I think everyone just talks about Ford's uh, promos. But like, do you want me to do it? Obviously, like I, I do a little <laughs> bit of an impression, and he he just yells, Dawkins Monday Night Raw. He just yells. I don't really like it. That's the second week in a row I've just slated someone for yelling during their promos. <laughs> um, I actually thought that Ross had just done the coldest take ever because I thought he said that Montez Ford was a better high flyer just based on the first three syllables. I thought he was saying Ricky Shane Page. Probably, yeah. Can we talk about, because we're all, we're all probably more inclined, or maybe, maybe I'm speaking for everyone, but a little bit more inclined to the indie feel of things. How do we feel about the fact that they booked Owens v Zayn, and now it looks like Logan Paul is going to be involved as either a referee or an enforcer or something that is going to take away from what could have been like a 20-minute smash, and now it's probably going to be a WrestleMania field. And it'll be fine. It'll still be good. But... Who's that? Sorry, Matt? Logan Paul. He's one of these YouTubers they have now. I've been, um, I've been on the YouTube.com before. He, but he goes out YouTube. there and he talks about uh, everyday bro or something like that. Oh, is he so? Is he the is he the one that's boxing now, or is that his yeah, brother? He yeah. is also the one that got 
famous for um, going to a Japanese suicide forest and filming people that were dead. Um, and then survived that controversy and made millions. So, yeah, WWE oh. thought, we'll get in bed with that guy. I... I thought that I was going to be out of my depth talking about SmackDown that I haven't watched, but nowhere near as much as talking about Logan Paul. He, he's, <laughs> he's not the worst like human being, but he was just a young bloke who made some mistakes on YouTube. He's, but he's a famous YouTuber, and like obviously there's a place for that on the card. Like I've got no problem with the Miz v. Bad Bunny being on the card. Yeah. I just feel like shoehorning a YouTuber into the Owen Zane match is kind of taking the piss out of the fans, that the work rate fans. But maybe I'm just being a bit salty. Did he did did he turn up to SmackDown this week or is it next week that he's meant to be coming? Next I think week. It's this week, yeah. Oh right, okay, yeah, yeah, cool. He cool. believes in the conspiracy, right? Yeah, so um so Zane says, but I'm assuming that they're gonna do the Mike Tyson thing. He's gonna ref it and then punch Zane at the end, right? That's the that's yeah. the bit. Yeah, I'm assuming so. Although there's plenty of people that would, would rather it be Kevin Owens like he did with Machine gun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I'd forgotten about that. That was amazing stuff. <laughs> but yeah, like, it's WrestleMania, and they've had celebrities since the, since WrestleMania 1 to sell pay-per-views, and I don't think it's a, ba- a, like, it's a bad choice, to be honest. He probably, like, I, I don't know if young, but young people might, he's got a massive fan base. Like, we're talking 20 million Instagram followers and stuff. A few of them will probably buy Mania if they know he's on it. That's the yeah. that's, that's tragedy. And he and he boxed that guy KSI, who I think got fairly famous from like doing like wrestling stuff on YouTube. So I'm, so I'm sure that there's some kind of crossover. Uh, I the the his fights and stuff have done huge numbers. So like, yeah. um, the kids at school uh, they always talk about the Paul brothers. Like that's like their like number one celebrity. Yeah. Uh, that's, it's the only reason that I've heard anything about them, to be honest. But yeah, um, is this like? I've, sorry, I, I lost a lot of what was all that was about. Is this like pogs and tamagotchis and stuff? I don't really understand youth culture. Yeah, it's like that, but in twenty twenty one. And um, I also watched AEW, and my main takeaway was the brilliant promo from Britt Baker. Absolutely loved it, and the line of. Um, Oh, thanks for the thumbs up, Mick Foley. But it took you 20 years to become a hardcore legend, and it took me one match. Gold. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for our main event of the evening. This week's roundtable features Peacock Plucking Feathers, AEW Dream Signings, and underrated WrestleMania matches. It is time. For the wrestling should be fun round table. Ever felt like this? Have strange things happen? Are you going round the twist? Have you ever, ever felt like this? Have strange things happen? Are you going round the twist? So I reckon that sounds just about like main event time, fellas. Um, we are ready for the Wrestling Should Be Fun roundtable here. Um, up first this week is the con man, Matt Connolly. Okay. Um, yeah, so I just wanted to talk about the thing that's kind of doing the rounds with the Peacock acquiring all the WWE library and now probably regretting doing so because they realised the cleanup job they're going to have to do on it if they want it to meet their standards. So I just wanted, like, 
a big discussion on like where people think the line should be drawn, what should and shouldn't be on there. If there's anything that screams, get rid of it. Anything that even though it might not tick a lot of boxes now should be kept. Like, I, I don't really know where I stand on it. That's why I wanted to talk about it. Like I completely buy people being offended by some of wrestling and like you could go through all wrestling prior. I don't know, at least the attitude era backwards and probably get rid of all of it. I mean, in terms of insensitive content, but I don't know where the gap is between realizing it's insensitive and keeping it there and getting rid of it because it just purely is offensive. Because for me, like the attitude era commentary is fucking awful, really. Like we've twenty, yeah. Like if if you can put Lawler on mute, like, and I don't want to be just just like picking on Lawler because he's of the time. I'm not saying what he said then was, you know, it's just with with our eyes and ears now, it's it's awful. Uh, yeah, so I just wanted to get where everyone's at with like what they feel about what should and shouldn't be taken off the network. Uh, Dom, you go first. What do you reckon? Like, is there, have you got any takes on it? You know, I, I, my only take is, uh, it's a pretty cold one, but I, I feel like what you just said, like now that they've started, like they're, they're going to dig themselves into a hell of a hole. Like, it's almost like to me, it, it's like, what, like, how do you pick and choose once you've started? Like, because they're, I, I mean, are they just going to go, okay, we're just going to get rid of racist stuff and keep sexist stuff? Are we now going to get rid of sexist stuff but keep homophobic stuff? Like, because that, like, let's be honest, there's a lot of all of that stuff. Like, it's wrestling. Like, and I just, I'm worried. I, I genuinely, I am worried that, like, I think that the only way that you can justify keeping any of that stuff, like, from the past... Because let's not let's just not forget that it's not just WWE content that's on the network. Like, there's got to be stuff from like you know, like world class and stuff. I, I that's just the first promotion I thought. Well, let's go ECW. I know a little bit more about. Like, there's quite there's got to be quite a lot. I mean, I the first thing I thought of was like Steve Carino and how he used to talk to Chigiri in promos. And I'm like, I mean, like. So if they, there's no way they can leave that stay in now they've started. The only way they could have made an argument is if they kept everything in and said, no, it's art, it's a time capsule, we're, we're going to rate it all MA or whatever, you know, like this stuff has a parental lock on it, but we're, get, we're not going to take stuff out. But once they've started taking stuff out, I, I don't know where they can stop. Well, so, I, mean, I mean, on that, I, I, think, they, I think they can put stuff but actually rather than doing it on a a kind of you know a bellwether how how extreme it is is actually is maybe just stuff that you might as well just cut out anyway because what does it add so i think firstly as well i mean if, if you see a lot of shows where there i don't know reruns of old shows sometimes you'll see a um you'll see a warning pop up at the start or just saying you know this was filmed in a previous era some of the stuff maybe you know, triggering or, or not necessarily, but maybe the language used is, is in keeping with that time. Not that it was. Like, I mean, <laughs> like wrestling has already been like, has always been 30 years behind of like where culture should be, but whatever, you can put some sort of um, line in there. So I think that, that I'd, I'd be more for that than, than just than stripping everything out. But the bits, so here's a great example. So, so for the for the Lawler stuff, you probably just can't go through and mute Lawler. You probably just got to keep it there and keep the tagline in. Even though I'd love for Lawler to be muted, um, I don't think that's practical. But stuff like, do you know, there's that weird like vignette where, or like, um, 
Vince called Cena the end bomb with Booker T. Oh, that's gone. That's gone. So that's a great example. Like yeah. that. What is the point in keeping that? Just get rid of it. Like it's just a little. It's a little segment. Just boom, get rid of it. And I think stuff like that, which isn't kind of part of the rest of the story and isn't and is just an easy little like just getting rid of the silly little vignettes or comedy skit skits. Just get rid of them. I, I think I think that's that's the easiest thing to do. But anything which is more part of the wrestling side or, or thematic to the story, you've got to keep. And what they have to keep is um, is. Uh, Big Show's dad's funeral because it's my my favorite moment. <laughs> of yeah, I think if if they cut that, I'll I'll boycott Peacock. But that's the Barry. that's the thing, right? That is offensive to Big right? Show. <laughs> well, like I don't know, like <laughs> boycotting someone's dad's funeral, and like Big Boss Man goes and proves he's not the son of his dad, calls him a nasty bastard, and all that. Like I don't know where you draw it, but I think that's fine. That's just a bit of nonsense isn't it i think i think it's yeah i think it's yeah. the i think it's um the set the sexism racism homophobia and transphobia i think are the, yeah. are the big ones and, and but yeah and there's some of it which you, you just are gonna have to i think put a, put a comment about and the other stuff you just edit the stuff which is, it doesn't need to be there anyway there's so many examples and again i i asked this not as like having an opinion and not being defensive about keeping content in but I just don't know how you can go through the attitude era and like have yeah. you, like without the sensitive warning, but like I don't know. Yeah, I'm just so confused by it. That's what I'm just. That's why I'm rambling. Like I don't know what is right, what is wrong to keep in. Like I get what you're saying with the skits because yeah. skits are easily removed. Yeah, but even matches and like the. I don't know where I sit on the like the Piper versus like. Is it still not a time capsule? Where, like that was how bad it was i don't know i maybe as stupid as that i'd keep it in just because it's again it's part of the match like like billy yeah. and chuck i'd probably keep in as well and just all that stuff i'll just put a, a tag on it saying this is Gold dust cut a promo once where he told the crowd that if they didn't shut up he was going to come out and kiss all of them and he got booed like out of the moon like does that stay yeah. in? Because that's clearly homophobic. But. Well, well, I mean, and then the, the the crowd responded by chanting the most homophobic slur you could think yeah. of. Um, you know, I, I, sorry, I, I know Ross is itching for his two cents here. I, I did forget to say, I was actually, I, I thought about this ahead of time a little bit and I forgot, like, I was kind of going to bring up the idea of, um, like, so my favourite novella of all time is called Of Mice and Men by John Steinbeck. And it, it one of the themes of oh, there's the, the themes of it are discrimination, right? So there's there's racism, ageism, and sexism, like throughout. And it's it's but what it is, it's the the author isn't racist or sexist or ageist. He's trying to make a comment on how bad society is. So I can and I mean I don't and just just for the record, in lessons I don't read out the slurs. Like I censor them, I get rid of them, I cut them out. But they are still in the book and we still do read it with 13 and 14-year-olds, you know, every year. Um, I, I give them a, an introduction. I say, listen, guys, if anyone's uncomfortable with some of the language, no one is ever going to say it out loud, but you might see it on the page. Um, and like, if, if you're uncomfortable, you don't have to be in these lessons. Like, I can talk to your parents and stuff like that, right? But I've never had a student dip out ever in, the, in sort of the 10 years I've been doing it. I just sort of, I, I wonder if if you can look at things kind of like what Brummett said and think, well, Brummett didn't say it, maybe Matt Connolly said it, where it's like, oh, um, mate, can we actually learn something from this? Can Is this important to the art? Well, then I, I, I can understand it. But 
um, it's still, I mean, and you've got to be very careful in how you present it. You, 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 you like, if you've got a warning ahead of something, it's got to be very well presented. Um, but is, but is the contrast there, Don, that Steinbeck isn't racist or sexist, but Vince is racist, sexist, homophobic and transphobic. And yeah, maybe. And the point of that content, the WWE content, it's not like, it's not like a, there's any supposed to be satire or knowledge in it. They're going for cheap awful pops against minority communities. <laughs> so it's yeah. like, which is fucking awful. But I, I just think, I think I'm probably with Matt holistically that, oh, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm maybe slightly misquoting you here, Matt, but the fact that there's just so much there that I don't think that you can just cut. I don't. I think cutting stuff on a large scale like that is is not impossible. Yeah, I, I don't want to keep Ross uh, too high over there, but uh, I just had to say, yeah, like it, like the the brown piper was where I started getting worried. Not because I I don't see why it's not offensive, but because that was the start of like, oh, okay, so they're getting rid of anything like in that vein which is fine and if that's what they're going to do but I don't know where that ended that was my and that's why I wanted to talk about because I don't know what I think really but Ross you are gagging to get a hot taking go on yeah um my only worry with it a little bit with getting rid of everything is that like just historian wise because like our generation know that that stuff, stuff happened but like is it going to get lost? Like, did Roddy Piper never have that match in 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 thirty years' time? Do you know what I mean? Like, that like that's that's a little worry of mine of like just wrestling like wrestling history just being like wiped out a little bit. But I completely get why in this current climate that that stuff isn't seen as acceptable, and. I understand why it's taken out, but I can also understand why how it is on the network at the moment, where even stuff like Wrestling Challenge from 1989 has the warning of language used in this show are not of, you know, the current standards and all that sort of stuff. Like, 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 for example, so, like something that I find quite interesting is that um, Vince McMahon making Trish Stratus undress and bark like a dog in front of 10,000 people. The purpose of that angle is for you to feel sorry for Trish Stratus and to hate Vince McMahon, right? That's the purpose of that angle. I know. It's the purpose that Vince can have that happen in front of him. <laughs> that is it. No, that, that literally, look at, look at Vince's repertoire with women. It's just, it's, I, I, I think it's bordering on sexual assault. But anyway. And then... But like, okay, but like storyline-wise, that's the purpose, right? Maybe. And as a viewer, you're then being told this story that he's a maniacal boss that's willing to, you know, sexually degrade an employee who loves him, so say. And so she does it for a, for a mixture of her feelings towards him and also fear. That 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 character work to me, like in, like in a film, works right. Like another like another piece of art that works as a character art. But what makes it awkward is that ten thousand people in that 
audience are largely cheering it. Yeah. And that's not yeah. on, and that's not on, on WWE because actually what, all, all that that's doing in that kind of Sasha Baron Cohen way is putting a mirror onto, onto, onto society. I think the the other problem is what Matt said though. Matt Brummett said in that it's it's also a guy called Vince McMahon playing a guy called Vince McMahon and a lady whose real name is Trish Stratus. You know what I mean? Like it's I think people find it harder and rightly or wrongly. I'm not saying it's either way, but rightly or wrongly, people seem to find it harder to separate like what's real and what's character based in wrestling. I think um, more than films. I don't think I, I don't think people want to like um you know walk in phoenix or whatever and are going oh hey joker you know maybe they do but i do think people walk up to stone cold steve austin and go give me a hell yeah let's have a beer like um that sucks the time under the truck to bury yeah yeah example i think that's closer to a snuff film than a real film because he was basically pe- pretty much perpetuating a crime in the ring that probably the talent wasn't that comfortable with with a baying audience, so I don't know. Maybe I'm being a bit too woke there, but that's my I I hate all that stuff. And also, like, it's going to be quite interesting with talent now because, for example, Lita recently came out and said that she didn't actually want to do the live sex education, yeah. um, the live sex thing. Yeah. And obviously, when it's coming from talent, then that's actually the perfect reason to take it down. That's a really good point, yeah. Whereas when it comes from just an executive who's got to be, like, trying to guesswork through hours and hours of footage, then maybe, like, you know, that's the perfect way to, to, to go about it. But in terms of um, stuff that gets lost, I know that this is entirely trivial compared to the stuff that we're talking about. The stuff that actually hurts me way more than, like, if I never see the Trish Stratus and the, and the Lita thing again... So like like so what it doesn't really matter in the context of wrestling. What I do miss is when the network, for example, would ha- hasn't got the rights to the um, soundtrack on on ECW. Then <laughs> like like then it truly does lose something. So what we're saying is Peacock get the checkbook out. <laughs> yeah, buy them all, restore <laughs> them. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how we solve this. I didn't think we would solve it. But I just wanted to see where everyone was at with it, just because I'm, I, I'm, I'm worried, but in a way whereby if stuff goes, it goes, right? Like, I do see what Ross is saying about keeping the historical things intact, but I also am aware that loads of it is highly offensive. So I really don't know. Also, like, in 2017, was it when Jinder Mahal, or 2018, when Jinder Mahal was cutting promos on Nakamura that were like, definitely shouldn't be on there if we're getting rid of... Of, of insensitive stuff. I remember him doing some very awkward promos about Nakamura. I wonder if um, they're going to get rid of a lot of the world-class stuff because of the Confederate flag use. That's another good point. Yeah, where, but this is it. Like, I, yeah. I don't want to sound like the Tim Hat guy, but where does it stop? Like, what is your line? I don't know. Basically, Connolly's worried that Ryback's <laughs> going to be banned for because yeah. wrestling fans are like, are so offended that he's been called a wrestler. I'm I'm more worried about Greg Valentine. Oh yeah. If we're talking, if we're talking, my Mount Rushmore. But yeah, no, no, yeah, you're right. I don't know. I don't know. I think it, like like a big key, key key talking point will be that kind of who's making the call. I guess is it Peacock? 
No, we don't really know, right? It's at the moment. It's just we know what's gone. We know that Vince McMahon saying the N word to John Cena has gone. No one gives a fuck about that. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, and then and the the the, the Piper v Brown match is gone, which is I don't know. I'm a bit on the fence with it. I can see both sides. Well, by that, by that logic, DX being the nation, that's got to be gone. Yeah, sure, that, that will yeah. go. Like, and that should, I, I agree, that should be gone, by the way, just to make it clear where I stand on that. But yeah, yeah stuff like that's a really good shout, that kind of stuff. You just bin it, you know what I mean? It's really yeah. Good. And, but what, yeah. but yeah, like, and then you get into like the, not to drag this second on, then you get into like the Benoit and the Snookers, and where do you end it with people like that? Right? Like, I don't know. Yeah, well, if, but if, I mean, this is a, this could be an hour now, but like, if you're, <laughs> yeah. like, if, if you're talking about like just getting rid of people who have committed crimes, like, uh, I mean, I don't want to upset people, but, you know, Steve Austin and Hulk Hogan haven't got the cleanest track record from the past, and they're probably the two biggest stars in wrestling history. So, like, uh, I mean, I, you know, so, I, I mean, it opens a whole other Pandora's box. Like, we are on a time frame here, Matty C, but... Yeah. Um, <laughs> is, that, is that next week, then? Should, who, who should be... Which, which snooker should be eliminated from... <laughs> You can eliminate one snooker from the network. <laughs> I'm having Sim. I love Juice and Domino. Oh, yeah. Good shout. Yeah. Yeah, yeah brilliant. Hey, that's that's, ex- that's really, really good chat, lads. Really, really good. Uh, hard-hitting stuff here on the Wrestling Should Be Fun podcast. <laughs> hey, um, I, I think that uh, Brummett's up next with something to do with AEW, but I can't remember what. Yeah. Mine is um, if Peacock owned AW, what would you cut from? No, um, <laughs> I, I'm going with I'm going with yeah, the opposite. Very silly. Um, so you guys um, have a, a freaky Friday moment with Tony Khan, and you're the you're the, you're the Booker and the Money Man of AW. Five names pop on your desk. Um, let's take away how much each of them will cost, but you can pick two of the five to bring into AW. You can either look at it from your own personal preference or you can look at it from a business angle. The floor's open. And the five names are Brock Lesnar, CM Punk, Batista, Ronda Rousey, and Conor McGregor. Who'd like to go first? I'll jump in if, if no one's there. Because yeah, I, I thought about this when you posed it initially, Brum. And I think I'm going to look at it from a personal point of view and what I would like to see rather than the uh, pay-per-view buys. I think the punk one, just from a fan point of view, is the no-brainer one. I'm not even sure if the matches would still... I mean, I have enough faith in punk to still deliver a match, but I don't know what he'd be like in the ring now, but the intrigue alone would would sell me. And I would pick Ronda Rousey as well because uh, that women's division is, is getting there. It's improving week on week. They've had that banger the other week. But I just think she's she's such an interesting piece to put into any division. If they could get them two from an in-ring point of view. And the reason I exclude the others is not because of um, ability. I mean, Conor McGregor, I, I personally don't have the interest in it. That's why I exclude him. If I was trying to make money, he'd probably be number one. Um, but from a, from a wrestling point of view, I've got no interest in it. Um, I think Brock Lesnar personally would probably... This might be a controversial take, I don't know. Probably still have better matches in WWE than AEW. I think there's more interesting opponents. I think there's more interesting stories if he stays in WWE as a special attraction. And Batista, I, I don't know. I was never quite a Batista guy. So it just didn't click with me. 
So, so mine would be punk and, and rousing. Ross, you got a you got an idea here because I've realised you've gone last every question so far. <laughs> Hopefully, I go last in Booker Bingo as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I had a quick little think about it, and my reasonings for potentially bringing each person in was McGregor. I thought would be a great person to pit um, Kenny Omega up against in a face turn for Kenny because Conor McGregor is basically that perfect like arsehole and that's what Kenny Omega is trying to be but he could never do it with Conor McGregor because I don't believe that Kenny Omega is an arsehole and I think Conor McGregor probably is (laughs) and I think uh, that would be a great kind of face turn for Kenny Omega to kind of realise you know going back to his old ways and realising that you know he's a great wrestler and he wants to be a good guy and all that sort of stuff Um, and also you could potentially have a really good feud with um, Hangman Page over Whiskey which I think will be pretty good for Conor McGregor to try and sell his whiskey. Um, then you've got CM Punk, who would be absolutely perfect for AEW. His anti-WWE ethos fits it perfectly. You can also tie in this stuff with Colt. You can go down the route of them hating each other because of the, the podcast courtroom drama, or you could go down the route of kind of um, CM Punk becoming the new leader of the Dark Order and making it a bit of a heel turn thing. It'd be really, really cool. Um, Lesnar, I'm not entirely sure about Lesnar in AEW, in a similar way to um, Connolly. Um, of course, he, he would lose Heyman, which was a massive part of him. If if I had to think of anyone, I'd probably stick him with Callis, who's, equ- who's equally as good as, on the mic, and have him become the new kind of um, Callis um, and maybe turn on Kenny. Um, Rousey, I thought, would be quite interesting because, as Connolly says, the division hasn't quite hit the heights that it will do in the future and she'd be a huge part of turning it around and also someone that could easily um, be believable in intergender matches which is something that AEW would probably look to do because WWE don't do it and Batista I found quite interesting because they always pick um, kind of the veteran with someone new and I thought that with kind of seemingly breaking away from Brian Cage who's kind of perfect as Brian Cage's guy as body guy um, but of all those things, I think that the, the two that I would go with are McGregor and Punk. Yeah, yeah, uh, same for me as Ross, actually. Uh, McGregor and Punk, for me, it's not even close. Um, I I like Ronda Rousey. I like her work in WWE. Um, I respect what she's done in uh, mixed martial arts, but I've already seen her run. I saw it in WWE. I'm not clamouring to see it. It's not unique for me. I won't be surprised with what happens. Whereas McGregor, who fucking knows what that guy could do? Like, I just, I just think it would just be incredible to watch him. See, can he work? Like, will people get tired of his shtick really easy? Will he come in working a anti-wrestling sort of gimmick? Like, is that, you know, because that might sell tickets as a heel. Um, and obviously, I suppose, and he ends up getting booked against Cody, unfortunately. Not that I don't like Cody, but I just, I think people, it'd probably get a pretty bad rub if Cody booked himself against McGregor first up in. Um, so I just think McGregor would be incredible. Um, and Punk is pretty close to my favourite wrestler of all time. I mean, I, I would just love to see him come back. I don't, I don't care where it is, but AEW would be my favourite choice for it. Um, I don't know what I'd book him doing. 
Uh, I think that all five people that you mentioned, I'd like to see wrestle Omega though. I, I'd watch Kenny Omega wrestle a broom. I like I, Omega for me is just so hot at the moment. I and my any opponent that you booked him against, I'd love to see it. And the, I mean those two particularly, I'd love it. Punk and Omega, man, that's take my fucking money. Like just like I just think that would be an absolute dream. Not I don't even care if the match stunk it out. I just think the build would be great. Like you could. You know, it, it's like you, you you could just sell a stadium out even if you told people there's only going to be two stars. Like, it doesn't matter, like, the, the crowd and everything. I think it'd just be incredible. Um, you could put Chicago so, Kev on the undercard. So, so, say it again? You could put Chicago Kev on the undercard. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> 100%. Oh, also, Dom, I see you're, uh, you're already booking Kenny Omega against his tag team partner, the Broom. <laughs> already, already booking that heel turn long term um so yeah I, you, know, you know what the funny thing is though like out of all those um out of all those matchups that i said like even though mcgregor and punk at number one and two without a doubt i think that the match out of those i'd love to see the most would be omega versus lesnar i i don't know why I do, just for some reason it grasped me. Smaller Omega worked like because you know why, and I've talked like people who know me well, and everyone in our group knows this. That my my favorite matches of the last few years have been Brock Lesnar versus Little Guys at Survivor Series. I like his match versus Dragon that year was my favorite match of that year. His match versus Styles, I think it was the year before, was my favorite match of that year. I think did he wrestle Balor one year as well? Yeah, I don't know if it was the Rumble, it was the Rumble right? Yeah, yeah, I loved that match as well. Um, and I loved when he threw Rollins around in that triple threat with Cena. Like, I just I just think there's people don't realise how good Lesnar is against a smaller opponent. He's like, um, so I think the best wrestler of all time against a small opponent is Cesaro. He's like the best base I've ever seen to work with a small guy, a cruiserweight, but Lesnar's underrated. I love watching him work little guys. So not that Omega's a little guy. Sorry, don't please don't send all your hate mail to Ross the Boss. Um, um, 99.999% of the world is a little guy compared to Lesnar. So I think you're good. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Um, except for me. He's a big... Hey, scholars, Dom here quickly. Just a little break here. Remember I said about the technical difficulties? This is part of it. I'm really hoping this is going to work and I can get back for the end of the podcast here now. But if it sort of cuts out and it sounds weird, this is as good as I could do this week. All right, let's get back to Brummett talking about Brock Lesnar. You've all made cracking points, boys. I think I think even though Dom nearly swayed me talking about Lesnar versus Omega, I think my two to watch as a fan if I was doing if I was Tony Khan's a fan I'd go for CM Punk number one by a long way for all the reasons you mentioned and I think I'd throw Ronda in there as well if I was doing it from a business point of view I'd do Connor and um, Brock probably though no people would disagree about Brock versus Ronda but that's one for another day I feel a bit sorry I've left I've left, left Big Dave out there so but, but if, I'm, if I'm just looking for really good blue boots I'd, I'd go with Batista <laughs> So <laughs> yeah, the uh, you know it's it's we haven't spoken about Batista at all. I'm not a Batista fan at all, but you know what? He seems like a nice enough lad. Like I'm sure I'm sure he could do fine as well. I'm sure he would. Um, he's charismatic and he's doing bucks. Some people like it. 
just not us. So up next on my very makeshift run sheet, I've got Ross TBC. Did you come up with something, Ross? Yeah, I did, yeah. Um, I came up with um, underrated WrestleMania matches. Um, Okay, I'm going last. (laughs) I need to think about it. Shotgun. I, I actually, I actually did um, did some thinking about this, so I can kick off if you want, lads. Well, I've gone for it a little bit different. Rather than underrated as in hidden gems, I've gone for more matches that I think are better than probably what they get credit for overall. Um, and so I think, basically, as a rule of thumb, I don't really like any Undertaker WrestleMania matches before. Which Batista was before Edge, wasn't he? Is that right? Batista was before Edge. Uh, probably. That sounds right. Whichever, whichever was out of those two first was kind of canon. The foot, like that era, the streak is the only one I'm really interested in. Apart from, I really like um, Taker Diesel from WrestleMania 12. Um, and I, I, it might be that I just miss it, but I don't hear a lot of people talking about that match. And I think it's a really good match. Considering at that time, I, I wasn't a big like it wasn't a really big fan of either men and like, you know, and Nash isn't known as the best worker ever, but I just really like how that match is done. They've got like the, the sit up from the jackknife and everything. I think it's just a, a, a really good big man match for the time, especially occurring outside of Japan. Yeah. I actually think that's a great shout. And also it had a great build up as well with the wax model. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah. And he flip, he flips in the bird at the rumble, right? I think he does, yeah, 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 yes, yeah, because yeah, it's, it's edited out, <laughs> yeah, probably. It's take well, Austin again, but anyway, take a verse, take a verse, bread at the Rumble, and and it, it actually goes on after the Rumble, doesn't it? It goes on main event after the Rumble, and Diesel, after getting eliminated from the Rumble, comes out and costs Undertaker the match, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. then flips in the bird. It's, it's actually a really cool build. I, I don't remember the match very well, but I thought the build was great. And on well on on Austin, I'm going to go Rock versus Austin. If I was talking about WrestleMania 17, I think that would obviously be the least hot take. I think I don't think I can say it's better than WrestleMania 17 because Rock Austin WrestleMania 17 is Rock Austin WrestleMania 17. But I think the 19 match is considering how broke Austin was. I think it's such a good match. I love the brawling element of it. I think they both get it really right. I know that it gets a bit finishes spammy at the end. If I anyone... was going to say, not to jump in, Bron, but do you not think it's a bit of a precursor to like the style of the Lesnar matches now? Like it's just at the end, it's just finishes spam, isn't it? Yeah, it is finishes spamming. Is it, is it like, is it, is it a third rock on that bit? But mm. it is finishes spamming. But I think because of what the match is, because it's like Austin's last farewell, I think they can get away with it. I think if that is, if that, if that, I'm a bit not like, I don't really like modern wrestling how that match model is so is like common out the end but then I thought it worked um and i think yeah i think it's a i think it's a cracking match that i just don't think i don't think anyone shits on it but i don't think anyone really talks about it because of the the, the 17 match. i mean the 15 match is definitely the worst of the three but the, the 17 one i think at uh, 19 i think is possibly up there with 17 i, I don't think i've got the bottle in me sets better but it's it's really good great chat um, and lastly, I'm going to go with, again, a match which is seen as a, a very good match, or anyone would say otherwise, but I think it's even better than it gets credit for. I think it is the 
best match in the best opening match in WrestleMania history. Fuck you, Brett versus Owen. I am going with Brian versus Triple H. I think it's fucking brilliant. Like, I just think it's it's a it's a technical match for so much of it, but a heated technical match, which it is a, a, a style of wrestling that I absolutely love. And it's the kind of match that I think if it was on halfway through, even though the crowd would, would have massively behind Brian, the style that they worked might have got not the reaction it did, but the crowd was so into it and popping for everything that Brian did as they should have done. And I just think it to open a mania, like that match gets thought of, I think, in terms of the story. But watching it as a wrestling match is fucking brilliant. And yeah, I'd say it's better than better than Owen Brett at 10. Which I know is probably a bit bold, but... And I think it's better than the main event as well. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree. Yeah, it is better. It's probably it the best better, match yeah. on the card, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's my... I Like, I say without ever watching it back, but as far as watching Mania's live, that's my favourite ever Mania. Well, I, I don't think I've ever watched it back. So it could be rubbish, but I just remember how I felt about the whole mania at the time. The streak ending and, um, you know, my boy, Daniel Bryan, winning the title. Um, hey, I agree with you. Yeah. And I, I, yeah, but I, I mean, I haven't really watched it back, so I can't uh, do it. Um, I, like, now that I'm talking, I'm just going to cut in and go next because I'm worried that Conley's going to steal my matches. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not. I've got a specific person in mind. So go on, go, Dom. <laughs> okay. Well, I, so uh, when I thought about this, um, two matches came to mind for me. I don't know why. I'm not, I don't even know if they're underrated. I don't even know if they're the best. But that is the first two WrestleMania matches that came to my mind that I don't hear people talk about much. Um, the first one for me is by a wrestler that I really don't like watching. Um, and it's... I mean, no offense, but I just never really understood Trish Stratus as a wrestler in the ring. But I think that her match against Mickey James, I think it was at WrestleMania 22. Um, and obviously it's famous because of how Mickey James did that one spot that, as previously mentioned, might be um, deleted from Peacock. Um, but obviously, you know, I just, in case you haven't seen it, I'll try to talk it through in PC language. Mickey James. Oh, um, sorry, Dom, I know I'm jumping in, but it is already deleted from the network, that spot. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's already, yeah, it's not on the network. Okay, yeah, so, well, in that case, maybe your younger listeners haven't seen it or whatever, so I probably shouldn't say it. If if you're young, you shouldn't be listening to this. Um, But uh, what happens is to to counter a hold, to break out of it, Mickey James, who is stalking Trish Stratus, that's the storyline, grabs her on the crotch, and then Trish, like, reels away, and Mickey James licks her hand. Um, which is, which at the time when I was, what's that? WrestleMania 22 would have been, I was 17, I think. And I thought it was the greatest thing I've ever seen um, at the time. Looking back, I'm glad it's been deleted from the network. I'm not trying to champion that. That's why the match is famous. But I just remember thinking that I thought it was probably Trish Stratus's best work um, from her career. Um, but that's not my answer. So I'm, I'm giving two as well because Brummer gave three. My actual answer, I think, is... Uh, this is not the famous match that these competitors had. Um, everybody thinks of TLC2 at WrestleMania 17. I'm not going to be here and tell you that the, that the triangle ladder match at WrestleMania 16 was better than TLC2. It's not better than it, but it was a year before and it was before TLC1. And at the time, if you could go back and watch it before you watch TLC, it is four and a half stars. It's brilliant. It's just that because TLC came after, people forget now how good that triangle ladder match at WrestleMania 2000 was. It 
pretty much saved that show. Like it, it, it was so, so good. Um, and just, you know, Jeff Hardy does a big swanton and the finish is really tight with Matt Hardy doing the front flip off the platform on top. It's just, yeah, it's a great, great match. And unfortunately it gets lost in the shuffle because of TLC two the next year with the giant spear. But yeah, really, really, really great. And the first one of, not the first one they did, but yeah, the first three way one like that they did. Agreed, mate. That is a great match. Yeah. Uh, Matt Connolly. Yeah, I'm. I'm not going to go on about it because I, I think in there are definitely arguments against all of the, the matches that I'm going to say are underrated. I'm going to try and try and defend the uh, because I think they're all good watched in isolation. I think Roman Reigns WrestleMania catalog is going to age really well. Um, that Triple H match is fine in isolation. It just came after about 19 hours of wrestling and everyone knew the result and didn't want it to happen. I think when people watch that back in 20 years, they'll go, that was a very good wrestling match. I think the Brock Lesnar match when Seth Cash is in was, I think that's widely regarded as a good match anyway, but it's yeah. it's a really good match. It's, it's Roman Reigns. I think the... Yeah, maybe it's Roman Reigns. Yeah, I wouldn't even disagree. It might be... like He genuinely... I remember a moment when he got German for about the 10th time. And he half laughs and the camera focuses in on it. And I was like, oh, that is fucking perfect. Like, yeah, like Roman knows he's beat at this point, but like he's in the match. Like, um, I will defend the Undertaker match that gets roundly abused all the time because I find it beautiful. And that's going to sound stupid, right? But it's like the Undertaker is genuinely an old man that can't really match this guy. And he and the moment when Undertaker can't get Roman up for the tombstone and struggles. I actually think he's art. I know it's a botch to some people and it's fucking awful. I find it a, it a perfect encapsulation of that match. It's The Undertaker thinking he can still go with the top star in the company who's in his prime and obviously can't. And the fact that Roman drags out the spear at the end and goes with the extra bounce off the ropes just to finish him off. It's like Roman's half thinking I need to do something extra to beat The Undertaker. And he's half thinking... I'm going to give this old guy his moment in the ring. Because obviously at the time, they thought that might be the end, right? I think that match is beautiful, and I know it gets roundly shat on. And the WWE um, Undertaker documentary do an even better job of framing it as this kind of last dance. And I love that match so much. And it gets, like I say, shat on. Um, and I also think the second match with Brock, where they just did finish Go on, go on, Bram. I cannot believe that Matt Connolly has just sold me on Roman Taker. That was an incredible bit of work. It's be- I think it's beautiful. And the, the moment with the announce table and stuff, it's it's outstanding. And, like, you're watching now and it is just like Undertaker struggling to keep up with Roman. If you're really cynical, that is what it is. But if you believe the story of the Undertaker thinking he can match the current talent, it's amazing. And then the one with Brock where Roman bled and looked fucking incredible with a crimson mask on. I don't care if they did 89 finishes in that match. That match is as fun a watch as anything because Roman looks like a fucking badass and he should have just won the match. I don't know why they tried to swerve bro everyone and give Brock the belt. Yeah, I'm going to defend that early Roman run of Mania matches. I think they're great. Uh, I hope history is kind to them. I absolutely love that, mate. Um, That's it. The the Undertaker um, Reigns match, I really feel like I know that people highlighted the fact that, you know, he failed to, to, to like do the tombstone spot and all that sort of stuff. 
but that fits the narrative of the fact that he was a broken man yeah, 100%. trying to go the distance with supposedly the best wrestler in the, in the company. And the send-off at, at the end was perfect. And I do kind of wish that that was the end for the Undertaker because um, it was absolutely beautiful, as you say. And it sat and it stands alongside now the Ric Flair send-off that, sh- that should have been his true send-off. Both of those were perfect. And unfortunately, they, they, they weren't the ultimate send-off that they should have been. It's why yeah, like I say, you can watch it be cynical and say it's a happy accident, but, but I, I think it's I think it's great. But yeah, sorry, Brian. What was you gonna say? I was gonna say it's why with the flair and taker stuff, we've just got to really hold on to the actual last perfect uh, mania um, retirement, which which did which nothing happened afterwards, which is the Shawn Michaels one. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Um, I think it's sad now. What, what's your mystery, Dom? Oh, yeah. Ross, did you have any matches you wanted to mention before I do the... Oh, shit. It's Ross's segment. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Sorry, mate. It's all right, mate. I'm going to head off early and head to Smurf, to Smurf Village. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so mine, mine real quick was um, WrestleMania 26. Uh, Legacy explodes. Rhodes, DiBiase, and Orton in a tri- triple threat. Great little build-up where Rhodes inadvertently costs Orton at the Rumble. DiBiase then eliminates Orton in the chamber. And finally, Randy's had enough and um, tries to break away with, from the from the both of them. They end up in a triple threat match. And it starts off in a kind of two-on-one situation. And before you know it, the bright lights of WrestleMania mean that the egos of the two upstarts who are making their WrestleMania debuts mean that they can't coexist and it's all about who's going to be the one to, to get the rub of the win against Orton at, at WrestleMania and they t- and they end up turning on each other um, and eventually Orton wins with a punt to Rhodes and an RKO to WRC. I think it's just a really good story. Um, it, it, it meant that um, all three came off really, really well and um, I just think it's a bit of a, a, a hidden gem in, uh, in the WrestleMania catalog. Nice. Love that definitive answer too. Brilliant stuff. Well, to, to, uh, quickly, to quickly link that back to a previous one, do you know who I'd love to see in AEW? Ted DiBiase Jr. What's he doing? Is he about? What is he at major MLW or something? Or did he just retire? No idea. Yeah, I'm not sure to most, mate. I don't know why I thought. I, in my mind, I was like, no, I don't think he. I think he made that might have been ten years ago. Someone's yelling through their headphones right now. Sorry. Good hosting from uh, Domville. Um, he strikes me as someone who would be excellent in NWA. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, I I did have a bit of an idea. It's a bit of a weak one. We can do it really, really quickly um, if you just want to do one answer each. But um, I Matt Connolly gave me the idea. So this week, uh, my this is the third time I've called some of my favourite wrestler of all time on this episode. Uh, but my favourite wrestler of all time is Rob Van Dam. Uh, my nickname is still Dom Van Dam, even though I kind of don't really like it anymore after the age of 16. Um, I just, he changed my life as a wrestling fan, you know. Um, I He opened my eyes to a whole different style of wrestling. And at the time, ECW, which then became my favourite shit of all time. 
So he's gone into the, he's going to go into the Hall of Fame this year. He's been announced, and with that, I can't really think of that many people now that I'm like, oh, this person needs to go into the Hall of Fame. Um, so my question to you guys is not about Rob Van Dam. It's about who are do you have anyone now that off the top of your head you you're really desperate to to see get the recognition from WWE of actually being named to go into the Hall of Fame. A couple of caveats, they can't still be wrestling, they have to be retired. Um, and obviously I know that everyone is going to mention the ones who are involved with lawsuits and things like that. You can do that, but, um, you know, if there's, you know, if like me, you had like a favourite wrestler like a Rob Van Dam, I'd love to hear that because I can't think of too many that aren't, well, obviously Owen, right? But I can't think of too many others who are just like great wrestlers that deserve to go in that haven't gone in. Um, and I, I, in saying that, I'm going to let Brummett go first with the 62 Japanese wrestlers that deserve to go in. <laughs> yeah, well, it's interesting that I was going to say um, Agawa. Now, um, I'm now I'm, I'm not really a Hall of Fame person. I just, I, it's just a bit weird for me. I don't know. I don't. I'm yeah. I just I don't like speeches or ceremonies. So. I don't know. And, and it's all because it's like, obviously, it's not independent. It's WWE. It's all, I know I'm being a bit of a Debbie Downer. So I'm going to go with, uh, let's put Coco Beware in for the second time. Yes. <laughs> I, t- I don't like speeches or ceremonies. Mate, I bet you're a lot of fun at weddings. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I, like, I, fucking wish, <laughs> I fucking love weddings. But I just, yeah, just like, I, I don't like tuxedos either. I fucking hate tuxedos. So that's another problem with with those kind of ceremonies. Ceremonies that aren't about people loving each other. Just I just you know, that weird. Actually, I tell you what was interesting to me though was when I saw the video of like Kane being announced, and he actually like the wrestlers do actually care. Like I kind of thought maybe the wrestlers would be like, oh, I don't really give a shit. It means nothing anyway. It's just a payday, but. They actually do. They it actually means something to them, which made me sort of think a little bit differently about it. Maybe it's because they're all narcissists, isn't it? Really, professional wrestlers. So yeah, it's a big night where everyone wanks you off. It's brilliant, then, right? <laughs> <laughs> Literally, what a night! Connolly, he had a great Saturday. <laughs> yeah. Uh, does I mean, anyone? I, um... Yeah, yeah. Go on. No, I haven't already got any hot takes and they should be in because my old thing with the Hall of Fame is like, if I remember them, they should be in. And that's such a pathetic <laughs> argument. But like, I'm happy for everyone to be in because no one cares. Like, I, I, I'm happy for Heidenreich to go in because I remember Heidenreich. Like, stick him in. I don't, I don't know why people hold this opinion that like, he should be in, she shouldn't be in, she should be in, and he should. Who cares, man? Like, it's yeah, not Chicago, real. Kevin. It's not real achievement. Like, yeah, but even in other sports, you could make the argument that it's a meritocracy, right? You could make that argument. I'm not yeah. saying that it, it's always true, but you could go, well, he achieved this in the sport. And, like, I'm not trying to say wrestling isn't a sport completely, but, like, obviously, it's written. So, like, certain guys get a massive opportunity, and certain guys, like Coco Beware, are just brilliant at their job lower down on the card and deserve to be in just as much as the top guys. So... I'm up for everyone going in if I remember them. If I don't remember them, you're not getting in. So literally my memory in my head is the Hall of Fame. Simon Dean's out. Which is unfair. One of the Marmalukes, it's really unfair on. I can't remember his name. 
but he's not getting in, and that's not fair. But Tony's in. It's the other one. It doesn't make it. <laughs> yeah, Johnny the, the Bull in. Is Johnny the Bull was he even a Marmaluke? I don't even. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, yeah. Definitely, yeah, he was a Marmaluke. The, 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 one. the, other, one, the other one's not getting in. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, all right. Yeah, but my real, my other answer is Scott Steiner. <laughs> Imagine the speech. Imagine the speech. <laughs> for the speech, for the speech. It's or the a, Steiners. The Steiners is probably a better answer. If you that's know. a great challenge. Yeah, that's weird that they haven't been in yet. Actually, I would have thought they'd be in now. I, I don't really follow it that closely, but yeah, that's when you think that's a really good Steiner, answer. It's not. <laughs> it's a good, good answer though. The Steiners together. That's a good answer. Yeah, I'd like the Steiners. Uh, Ross. Uh, I'll be quick. Um, I'm sticking with WCW. I think two people that should be in it are Lex Luger. I'm, I'm amazed that he isn't in it. Wow, is he not? He's not in it. No. Wow. You know, he just, had a bus and everything. <laughs> yeah, just <laughs> just because he failed as the next Hulk Hogan. But but there you go. Um, um, and my other one that I think would be a sentimental one um, would be a posthumous one for Chris Canyon. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 That'd, that, that'd be that'd be really cool. Um, is sitting. I don't think he is. He was but gonna. Sidin. He was gonna go in, but he had a softball game that day. Yeah, that's <laughs> why. That's the worry, isn't it? He's a bit flaky. <laughs> a bit. <laughs> um, we can definitely do Canyon and Sid stories in future episodes because they. I reckon we could do an hour on both of those lads. Um, I I will definitely accept Sid going in as long as he just wears jeans with knee pads over the top because he's too lazy to get changed. Um, okay, fantastic. That's the that's the very very long Broadway main event for this week, I think. Um, so which brings us to Book of Bingo, and I'm in charge. So let's get this ship rolling. B i n g o and Bingo was his name. Oh. This is Booker Bingo. So I did the very, very uh, sophisticated randomising of um, scrolling my finger up and down five times and whichever name was under my finger on my phone you got. But I still think it worked out pretty well. I promise I haven't jinxed this at all. Um, So, guys, you have got PCO versus Eugene. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I'm I'm gutted that I don't get this week. No. Uh, All right, I've got it. Uh, right, okay. Um, PCO gets um, debuts in, in WBE. Um, after, well, I guess you can't call it a debut, can you? Returns after 30 years or whatever. But um, but instead of it standing for Pierre Carloulet, he is now called um, Politically Correct Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> and he basically, what he tries to do, he's an employee of Peacock and he wants to get rid of everything that's offensive about WWE. And he... And he Cuts. He basically cuts all these promos. Has a go at everything. It's a bit like right to censor. I'm aware of that, but um, but it's called politically correct. Offer. 
and but he's more about he's he's more about going about the history and what needs. I to like be. that you changed his name. You, you could have just gone politically correct Ule, but you've gone no. <laughs> <laughs> he needs a new name. And you and you've named him after the rapper from MOM, keeping the acronyms yeah, going. I, I love. He's my favourite rapper. Um, the but, but anyway, so politically correct Oscar is going, and he's having feuds with like. Um, yeah, but like Hornswoggle and people like that, like who it's just it's all a bit funny. He has a he has a he has a feud. He has the first inter, he has an intergender feud with Trish. Now that um, Alexa Bliss and Randy Orton have um, yeah have opened the Forbidden Door and just um, no against Mickey James, sorry, and Mickey James keeps doing the um, the Cunnilingus sign at him, and uh, but he eventually beats it. He's going through going through all these guys, and eventually. Um, he says, "Yeah, but also, um, it's not you know, it's not just about it's not just about other things. We've had um, people making fun of mental illness in WWE, and it's not okay. And obviously, PCO's new gimmick is is one that you should be um, on board. But basically, most wrestling fans are scum, aren't they? So they're booing him. And then Eugene comes out. So Eugene comes out, but he's as um, his real like." Whatever his real name is, you, one of you guys must know Eugene's real name. Nick Dinsmore. It is Nick Dinsmore, isn't it? And he comes out, and his whole thing is, you know what, you know what, PCO, look, your heart's in the right place, but you're you're attacking my livelihood. I was saddled with something that I wasn't happy with. I tried to do the best of it, you know. I, I tried to give, I tried to give respect, and I do a lot of work with, um, yeah, with. Um, with a lot of a lot of communities who are doing really great things about promoting mental health, so I don't want you coming out and tarring me with this horrible brush. It's not okay. And PCO goes, no. Remember, I don't care what you say. I'm Oscar. I'm politically correct. You're going down. And they have a blood feud. And then just as um, uh, politically correct Oscar has got. It's brutal. He's got Dinsmore by his throat, and he's just throttling him on the on the middle of the ring. The crowd are gasping because they think he's going to die. He's going to die. Regal's music hits. He comes out and he just put um, gives the same promo that he did to Triple H in the Triple H Eugene feud, which is one of the best promos ever. And we can't lose that from Peacock. Um, but. Because Regal's so into it, he just calls PCO Triple H, and it bamboozles him. <laughs> Eugene then does the Nick Dinsmore then does the roll up, and then and beats PCO, and then he gets up and he starts just celebrating like he's actually Eugene and just shitting on everything that he said below to PCO, and the crowd goes wild because they'd love that shit. Yeah, of course, the crowd would absolutely love that. Fantastic stuff. I'll give my deliberations after. Um, Let's go for uh, uh, Ross has been on last for everything, so we'll let him main event. Uh, Matt Connolly, you're on next, mate. Oh, all right. Well, uh, mine, mine, mine might take stripes from Brum's feud, which he's already booked. But uh, my idea involved PCO as well, being the orchestrator of the feud. And PCO, we'll do it in Ring of Honor. Why not? That's where PCO is now, right? And he's he's reviving. He's the reviver. You know, he has that thing where he has the heart attack machine. I don't know what you call it. The defibrillator? Is that the, the yeah. word for it? Uh, so PCO's got that going and he's like, I'm going to revive all the old wrestling gimmicks that you didn't want to be revived. So week by week, he's reviving things that you just thought, oh, I wish that was dead. 
I don't know, Mantar's coming out. Uh, all of these sort of people are coming out week on week. And PCO's beating him because he's the fucking man. And he's like, this is, I know this isn't very Ring of Honor, but uh, this is my <laughs> new thing now. I'm just going to, I'm just going to revive old Fed gimmicks and I'm going to beat them in the ring. So obviously it gets to the point where Eugene is the latest one. He puts him on the table and he does the defibrillator, but it all goes wrong and, and he gets Nick Dinsmore. And Dinsmore is a wild animal. He is going ham. He is fighting back. He's, it's not the usual squash you get when he's beating, I don't know. Um, let's pick an awful gimmick from the 90s. Kurgan. He's coming back and he's, he's fighting back. And Dinsmore actually, you know, he, he gets PCO down. He, he knocks him out. And, like, they set up the match for final battle, Ring of Honor. They're like, listen, PCO, he's, he's been running a mock. He's been spending all this money on our time, bringing back all these legends. We need Dinsmore to put him in the grave now. This needs to end. We're going to have a buried alive match. <laughs> either, either, either PCO dies or all these gimmicks die. And Dinsmore is defending the honour of every awful gimmick against PCO. And they have an absolutely wild buried alive match. And just to send the fans home happy, Eugene slash Dinsmore wins... And just like Brum's booking, reverts to the Eugene gimmick and we get Eugene challenging Roosh for the belt at the next Ring of Honor pay-per-view because he's now buried literally one of their former champions. The only way is up. So, yeah, that is what happens in my booking. That would be worth it, Conley, just for the loss uh, Eugene Noble. Loss Eugene Noble. When he gets Flamita on side. <laughs> Abs- absolutely fantastic. I'll tell you what, we're setting a new bar for high standards here. Let's see if Ross can, can keep it going. Okay, so this 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 might not be on Peacock, this one. <laughs> <laughs> um so Eric Bischoff, um he he wants to get back into wrestling because he's just been um, inducted to the Hall of Fame, so he's got a bit of buzz about him. But the WWE don't really want to touch him because of his previous misdemeanors with WWE. And it ends up that there's a company that needs a book that uh, needs a booker because of um, misdemeanors himself. So he goes over to Ring of Honor, and the first thing that he does is he puts the belt on Nick Dinsmore, <laughs> and uh, and. PCO is just livid because he's given 60-odd years of his, of his life to this career of his, and he's put his body through the line. And what he does is he um, he he actually kidnaps Nick, Nick Dinsmore, and he puts him into his Frankenstein machine with his defibrillator thing. Um, and there's an accident, and uh, Eugene actually loses his penis. <laughs> And um, and Eric Bischoff at this time um, is um, heavily into getting HLA back under the ground, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and PCO <laughs> dresses up Eugene as Regine, <laughs> and HLA segment happens, and it's basically. Shot for shot, the same with the Rigniti thing, but it's Eugene as Regine, and um, uh, ends up with 
Eric Bischoff having to tongue <laughs> his nephew. <laughs> <laughs> and um, Ring of Honor go out of business. <laughs> yep, that'll do it. <laughs> um, all right, uh, quick quick deliberation. Um, things that I enjoyed. Ross, fantastic memory of Eric Bischoff being Eugene's uncle. I'd kind of forgotten about that, to be honest. So that was a good angle that I'd forgotten about. Um like, you know, Connolly, I love the, the gothic horror novella stuff. Like, that's fantastic. Like, I don't know if you guys knew this, but um, Mary Shelley, who wrote Frankenstein, her father actually wrote a book called Life of the Necromancers about real life bringing people back from the dead. Um, so, like, that's very, very on point uh, about using the idea of uh, reanimation of, of dead wrestling gimmicks uh, for the guy that does the Frankenstein gimmick. Very, very good. Love it. Um, and the fact that it was at final battle, like, got a pop out of me. Um, but I, like, Bromit's going to win, and I'll tell you why. I, just because I just think politically correct Oscar is the best use of acronym I have heard for a very, very long time, especially, like, you clearly just did it on the fly. That would have taken me 20 minutes to try to come up with that. But I was, yeah, you win because of politically correct Oscar. So fair play, Bromit, well done. Woo! Looking forward to the spreadsheet next week. Yeah, see if you can actually do the randomizer thing because I, I I panicked. I think again. I might just about just manage that done. Um. All right. So yeah, we're winding down here. Um. And fantastic stuff. Uh. If you if you enjoyed your shout out, make sure you tweet Ross. And if you want to shout out next week and you want the um, wrestling gimmick treatment from us lads, please give us a give us a tweet. Or you know what? If you want to follow the Instagram, we've only got nineteen million nine hundred eighty six thousand nine hundred twelve followers fewer than Jake Paul. <laughs> <laughs> and a bit a big shout out to Chicago Kevin. <laughs> big up Shy Town Kev. have a good one lads easy wrestling should be fun should be fun wrestling should be fun alright there we have it episode 7 in the books in the can hopefully she's going to work okay Uh, but who would know at this point Um, this has literally been the most stressful podcast I've ever had to edit and release but we're there in the end and I reckon it's been worth it what a ripping book of bingo that was from the lads Okay, that's about it from me Uh, until next week hopefully on the normal Friday time slot this is Dom Phil drink lots of water Look after your mates.